songs and uh, just listening to people around me singing, I'd say it's a, a lot of us would say we have the same feel about that song and how it touches us as we are asking God to speak to us on this day. And I'm just so glad that you're here and we get to kick off a new series. And so far the response has just been overwhelming in the last two services. And so I'm just looking forward to what God's going to do over the next few weeks as we go through this series called The Jesus Stories, Capturing the Heart of Ordinary People. And I just wonder if this is, you know, for you, just look around the room. You see a pretty ordinary looking group of people, right? Yeah, we all are. And it's just, he speaks to us where we are and we're going to look at that today, how he wants to change our lives. Now, the awesome thing is, if you want to grab, go ahead and grab your message notes out, that'd be great, uh, because I'm going to immediately jump in and read a verse off the top. But as we celebrate our nation's freedom, I want us to begin with the words that Jesus spoke in John chapter 8 about true freedom, the, the kind of freedom we can know as we embrace his truth. This is what he says in John 8, 31 through 32. He says, if you are truly my disciples, if you remain faithful to my teachings, and you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. So how do you know if you're one of his disciples? How, what does it say there? That you will be faithful to his teachings. And in order to be faithful to his teachings, you have to know his teachings. And what do his teachings do in our heart as we know them? They set us free. They set us free. They teach us the truth about him, the truth about God, and the truth about our lives. The statement, the truth will set us free, is specifically Jesus is referencing himself and his teachings and how we can, when we choose to say, I'm going to live underneath the umbrella of the authority of Jesus Christ. When I say I'm going to live under that umbrella, it's not like saying I'm living underneath an oppressive dictator or king or monarchy like our ancestors came over here to get away from. When I say I'm going to live underneath the umbrella of the authority of Jesus Christ, it says that as I live my life in him, I agree and acknowledge that that's the only way I can have peace. That's the only way I can have freedom when I choose to live underneath him. So Jesus speaks truth and he invites all those who listen to be free to listen, who want to know the truth, to listen to him. Notice his words in Matthew 13, 9. He says this, anyone with ears to hear should listen and understand. Now, we all have ears, right? So when I ask you, and I'm going to say to this, when, I, when you come during this series, I want you to bring your ears ready to hear. I'm not saying you have to put on ears. But I'm saying I'm asking you when you come that you would come with ears that are open to what Jesus Christ would say to you as we go through these teachings we're looking at in his parable. So that's the posture. We're going to come each week, and we're going to get the privilege of sitting literally at the feet of Jesus and hearing his stories, hearing his as he speaks these words. In this series, what we're going to do is we're going to try to get as closely as we can to understand the original intent for the original audience and the ones who are listening to his stories for the first time and how they might have responded to what it was that he actually taught. And we're going to do our best to bridge the distance between the first century and the 21st century as far as how these impacted men and women of that culture and how they can impact men and women of our, our culture as well. And if we let it, if we let it, if we let this series come into our hearts, if we listen, I believe that we're going to have our hearts captured. And I believe that just as people as Jesus day had their hearts captured, ours will be as well. Now look at what it says, kind of setting up the whole series, Matthew 13, 3a, Jesus says that about Jesus, it says, Jesus told many stories in the form of parables, such as this one. Now, what is a parable? I mean, I've got to explain that a little bit. What is a parable? Well, the word parable comes from two words, and it, the two words coming together, they mean to throw alongside. So it means to throw alongside. 
So the idea of, of parable is that Jesus would take a common, ordinary occurrence that people would be familiar with, that they would see, know, maybe be able to taste, touch, smell, or feel in some way, and he would take that everyday occurrence, and then he would throw it next to a kingdom truth or a principle that he wanted them to understand, and this everyday occurrence thrown next to that biblical truth would help you understand the biblical truth of what it was that God was actually trying to say to you. A parable is merely a real life story from which one or possibly a few truths might be gained. Now, somewhere along the of one third, or about 30% of Jesus' words is recorded in the Bible are in parables. So about 30% of the time, he was speaking in stories or parables and people are listening. And for 2000 years now, these stories have impacted and changed lives. They have pierced the hardest hearts, they have shaped the greatest souls that have ever walked the face of the earth. Now, over this next ser- this series, we're going to look at 11, at 11 of his stories over the time of, uh, course of this summer, and we're going to let Jesus be our teacher, and I believe he's going to stretch our minds, and I believe he's going to pierce our hearts, and if you let it, I believe he's going to shape our souls as we go through this together. I believe that at the end of the summer together that you will know God better, that you will see Jesus more clearly, and that you personally, as well as me, that we will be able, ready to live more faithfully the life he called us to live. Now, we're beginning today with the very first parable. Just kind of want to set it up. The very first parable that Jesus taught. This first parable is significant in a couple of ways, and the reason we want to look at it today, first, because Jesus used this, uses this story to help us to know how we can hear from God. So he's going to start teaching about God and his kingdom, and he uses this story to help us to know how we can be receptive to what God says. See, we all struggle with hearing God speak. We all struggle at times with knowing whether we've actually heard God speak. You know, there's some people claim that they hear God speak, and they make claims like the end of the world's coming on May 20th and those kinds of things, and I don't think they really heard, right? Because we're all, at least we're still here, right? And that, so it's not quite the way it happened for him. You have other people, you have friends that say, I heard God speak to me and say this. You know, I just say, I've never audibly heard God speak to me. Never audibly heard God speak to me, but I know he's spoken to me. I know he's guided me. I know that he's touched me. I know that he's talked to me in different ways, but never audibly heard God speak to me. In fact, one of the ways that one of the, the flat sides of people using the term God spoke to me is they're usually using it a way to get, you know, as a reason to get their way. You know, they, they, you can't, how can you refute God spoke to me, right? You just can't. So it's usually a way to kind of manipulate people in some way. So secondly, this parable is significant is that Jesus, this is one other parable, Jesus actually gives us the interpretation so we can actually know what it was that he was meaning, what it was he was talking about. And so from this one, this first one, where he gives the parable and the interpretation, he's giving us the guidelines for how we interpret all the other parables that he gives in his ministry. So what I want to do is I want to read the story. Matthew 13, you can turn in your Bible. If you picked up a lobby Bible, it's on page 744. Just want to encourage you in this series that you might grab a lobby Bible when you come in. And I want to read Matthew 13, verses 1 through 8, the story, and then we're going to talk about what this means to us. So this is what it says, beginning with verse 1. Later that same day, Jesus left the house and sat beside the lake. So he's talking about a day in the life of Jesus, and he went and sat beside the lake. This lake would be the Sea of Galilee. It's also called a lake, but the Sea of Galilee. So this is where Jesus did a big portion of his ministry, is around the sea, around the shores of the Sea of Galilee, and so he did that. It says, a large crowd soon gathered around him, so he got into a boat. 
Then he sat there and taught as the people stood on the shore. So in this day that you would have rabbis and you would have then the followers of rabbis who would, you know, disciples who would follow that rabbi. And uh, it, it talked about Jesus. In John, it says that Jesus spoke as one having authority. And so people looked at him as a great teacher. And so more than likely he had a lot of disciples and people who come to follow him, but also he's been healing and he's been uh, uh, bringing about miracles that people are experiencing. And so he's got a huge throng of people. And so he goes out beside the lake. He first sits down as that's what a rabbi did. And he started teaching. The crowd got so big that he literally had to get into a boat and that he had to go out into the lake and that he taught them from the, uh, from the lake and they were on the shore. Now, the awesome thing about this is that I got to go to Israel last year and was around the Sea of Galilee is that, you know, he was on the water and then the direction that he was more than likely speaking is that it came, he comes out of the water and you've got the land that goes up like this and it formed kind of a, a natural amphitheater. And so he's speaking there, the people could all gather around and more of them could see what was going on because they could go up the slope and they could stand there. But I think one of the even more cool things about this whole thing is as he's speaking, he was speaking across water and water naturally magnifies, right? Uh, sound. And so they didn't have fancy gadgets like this that fit on the side of Jesus' head. You know, aren't we glad? And so... <laughs> but he would speak across water and it actually magnified what he was saying. So it was a very effective form of teaching. It says, he told them stories in the form of parables such as this one. Here's the parable. Listen, a farmer went out to plant some seeds. Now he's standing there uh, in the boat and he's looking at the people kind of up like this, but also he's looking at the fields as right up out of, out of the Sea of Galilee, he goes into some fields, some farmland. And I just got to think, you know, this is what a lot of people have written about this whole story is that Jesus was looking out there and there's actually a farmer out there farming. There's this guy out there spreading the seeds on his property and Jesus is looking at this ordinary situation and he's going to now throw it alongside a supernatural truth that he's going to teach them about how this is a truth about how to hear from God. So this is what he says, going back into the story. As he scattered them across his field, some seeds fell on a footpath and the birds came and ate them. Other seeds fell on shallow soil with underlying rock. The seeds sprouted quickly because the soil was shallow. But the plants soon wilted under the hot sun, and since they didn't have deep roots, they died. Other seeds fell among thorns that grew up and choked out the tender plants. Still other seeds fell on fertile soil, and they produced a crop that was, 60, was 30, 60, and even 100 times as much as had been planted. And in verse 9, goes on to say, anyone with ears to hear, he ends it with, should listen, and so they can understand. This parable is about growth. This parable is about growth. I just think it's fascinating that in God's timing, I didn't plan it this way, that we end our Time to Grow series last week and the very next series starts with a message about growing. And this parable is about how you and I can grow. And as we talked about in the last series, growth isn't our responsibility. Our responsibility is to be in the place to grow, to be engaged in the disciplines and the practices that God will use to supernaturally help us to grow in the spiritual fruit that we were looking at. And it's the same is true right now. We're not talking today about here's how you can make yourself grow, but we're saying here's how you can put yourself in the place where God can use this to grow you. Growth requires, here's the key, growth requires a receptive heart. If I'm going to be able to grow, growth requires a receptive heart. Now, Jesus tells this story. And I just kind of have to believe that, you know, they kind of stopped. And, and Jesus is through teaching. And his disciples gathered around him and said, Jesus, that was an amazing, that was so amazing the way you used that farmer who was on the hillside today. Jesus, you did such a great job of telling the story. Everybody was on the tips of their toes listening to you. You could have heard a 
piece of camel poop drop. It was so quiet or whatever it was they said in those days to make those analogies. And he said, it was so quiet. And, and he said, Jesus, your teaching was amazing. But Jesus, what did it mean? <laughs> we didn't get it. Help us out. And so Jesus then tells them the interpretation of the story. And what I want to look at today is not the story, but Jesus' actual interpretation of the story and how that can impact our lives as well. So let's look at just some couple ideas. First, who was the sower? Well, you want to write this down. The sower is God. The sower in the story is God. He's the primary sower. But for the purpose of the story, it's a little broader than that. The sower is anyone, you want to write this out to the side a little bit, it's not, you won't be able to read it anywhere, but I think you can spell these words, anyone who speaks or acts for God. A sower is anyone who speaks or acts for God. In this specific case, it was Jesus at the time, as he's speaking or acting for God, but in a general sense, it's all who were sent by God. So a sower is anyone who speaks or acts for God. The seed is the word of God or his word, speaking his word. So the seed is when I'm, when I'm going to speak, it's got, his word is what makes a difference. Speaking his word, the seed is the word of God and the soil is my heart. The soil is the heart of the listener. That's the soil. So because of that, each one of us is going to be able to see ourselves in this story as Jesus interprets it. Each one of us. At any given time, you and I, can have all four soils visible in our lives, inherent in us. Now, a lot of story, a lot of folks will talk about the fact that you have one soil or one soil or one soil. I just want to say that at any given time, you can have all four soils in your heart. And so today we want to talk about how you can develop a receptive heart. Now, this parable fulfills a couple of roles. First, the, the first role that this parable helps fulfill is it's a spiritual test of the condition of our heart. So as we go through this today, and as we go through the parables that we're going to be looking at, specifically today is a test of the spiritual condition of your heart as this message comes to you. And second, it helps us to know how can I develop a receptive heart? How can I develop a heart that's more receptive to God's teaching, to God's word, to God's seed into my life? So we got four soils and we've got four responses. I want to begin with a response for everyone and talk about the soil. The first one is this, be open. The first response is be open. I need to cultivate a heart that is open to the word of God. Here's the interpretation Jesus gave. The seed that fell on the footpath represents those who hear the message about the kingdom and don't understand it. Then the evil one comes and snatches away the seed that was planted in their heart. So the reason that the evil one can snatch away the seed is that the seed was planted and it was planted on a heart that's so hard that the seed, no matter how much water it got, no matter how much it was broken down, that it couldn't actually form a root and go into that soil at all. This represents the hardened path, and it represents a closed mind. It represents somebody who has a closed mind to the things of God. The mind that says, I'm not open to what God may say to me. Now, all of you, all of you have people in your lives, and maybe some of you are here today, and you're still in the same place, but all of you have people in your lives that the moment you mention God, you can almost see a wall go, you mention Jesus, and that's a, somebody who says, I don't have a mind that's open to even hearing about God or hearing about the things of God. And I'm closed. I've got a hard mind and I have a, a, the kind of mind that the seeds can hit this wall, but they're not going to get in and, and they're not going to build a form f- 
fruit. Instead of a receptive heart, what you have here is a resistive heart, a heart that's actually resistant against the, th- against the things of God. Now, the way that this kind of plays out is that the fields in Jesus' day, uh, the way that they would farm is that they would, you know, the early settlers, that they would uh, plant crops and they would plant a field. And then someone else would come along and they'd plant a field next to it. Now, they didn't have fences as we have in our day, but, you know, everybody would just kind of form a, a barrier, a dirt barrier. They'd leave it around their field where they wouldn't plant. It was about typically about three feet wide. And then this dirt barrier became the place that they would walk on. And so they would walk around that barrier. And over time, after walking on the kind of soil that they have in Palestine, is that their barrier would become as hard as asphalt or concrete. And so the picture is, is that the way that they would plant seeds, they didn't have John Deere tractors to drive around to plant their seeds, as they would go around with bags on and they would throw or broadcast their seed. They would broadcast it around. So they're planting their seeds in their field. They get to the edges, they're still planting. Well, seeds would go off their field and onto the path. So the idea here, everybody knew what Jesus was saying here because they've all seen the seeds go on the path and they've all seen the birds come and eat the seeds and the seeds not be able to grow into a plant. And so everybody would be familiar with what it was that Jesus was actually talking about, what it was that he was describing. So that seed is, is going out. And what he's trying to, the point Jesus is trying to make for us is, is that people's heart can be hard toward God. And that even though the seed goes out, even though there's power in the seed, that the devil, the evil one, can still come and rob that seed away. Now, what makes a person's heart hard? I just want to give you some thoughts. One is pride. Uh, One thing that makes a person's heart hard is pride, and that is not being willing to admit that I need God. Not being willing to admit that I need Him. Another is disappointment. Maybe at some point uh, that they've, uh, someone's been around uh, God or His church or in some way, and in some way, God disappointed, or their thoughts about expectations on God disappointed, where they expected God to do something and it didn't happen the way that would have been beneficial or helpful. And so it's like, well, that's who God is, and they turn away. So it's disappointment or disappointment with those who go to his church. You know, they see someone who's a follower of Christ or get hurt by someone who attends church, and they say, well, I, if that's the way God's people are, and they, they harden their heart and they go away. Uh, Another one is that people just choose to say, you know what, I want to live my life my way. I'm not willing to live underneath any umbrella of authority other than my own. And so I'm going to keep a hard heart because I'm not willing to listen. But another reason that folks can have a hard heart is sin, is sin. I'm allowing myself to be engaged in a sin, something I know that is against God, and I've got this area of my life and that I'm allowing it in, whether it could be my whole life, but especially an area of my life. And because of that, I've got a hard heart when it comes to hearing God because I've allowed that in my life. Now, Jesus is teaching. He knows that in his crowd are people with hard hearts. And so he is throwing out seed and he's doing it in a way that people will be attracted to by telling them a story. And kind of the way I would envision this is the seed lands. Somebody's got a really hard heart and just really anti-God and anti-what's going on, what Jesus is talking. And then the person would go away. The, de- the evil one still hasn't stolen that heart, that seed away. They'd go away, they'd go home, and they'd be sitting there going, bam, that's what he meant. Aha, I know now. That story makes so much sense. I get it now. And then the seed, it's planted. The seed is inspired right there because Jesus was a master at knowing how to help people understand who he is. So what you may need to do today is you may need to ask God, God, show me my heart. 
Show me any area where I'm hardened against you because I want a receptive heart. Second thing is this. Second action is go deep. I have to go deep. Here's what Jesus says about the next soil. The seed on the rocky soil represents those who hear the message and immediately receive it with joy. But since they don't have deep roots, they don't last long. They fall away as soon as they have problems or are persecuted for believing God's word. In order to be receptive to God, you not only have to have an open heart, uh, kind of a plowed heart where the seed's allowed to come in in some way and actually form fruit, but you also have to go deeper than the surface. The soil that covers much of the nation of Israel, when we got to be there, I was able to see this. In fact, I was flabbergasted and actually blown away at how innovative Israelis are. And that when you go there and you just see plants and fields and lush and vineyards and, and all of them grown where there's no water and all of them grown on this soil that looks like white powder. And you realize that they've got this thin layer of a few inches of topsoil. Uh, that's what they call it, topsoil. And then underneath that is this a layer of limestone. And so Jesus hearers would have understood when he's talking about this, he's talking about that kind of planting, where when a seed would get into that kind of place, that the seed might go down, it might take root a little bit, but if the plant started to come up any at all, that anytime the sun got on that and it couldn't get the nutrients or the water that it needed, or when the roots went down and hit that limestone, that that plant would then wither and die. And so people would understand that that's exactly what people was talking about here. He's talking about someone with a shallow heart or a superficial heart. He's talking about people like that. Richard Foster's written a great book, and he's called it The Celebration of Discipline. If you've never read that, it's an awesome book. He starts the book by saying this, superficiality is the curse of this age. It's the curse of this age. And folks, I just say it, we live in a shallow, superficial world. We are deceived into believing that social media, social networking is deep. Deceived into believing that that that's a possibility for me to have deep connections and relationships. We live in a world of shallow conversations. We live in a world of superficial connections. And we live in a world of sacrifice, I mean, uh, uh, shallow commitment. My commitments are only good as long as they meet my needs. And people will move on, as we talked about last week. Now, these are people that have hard hearts and they have uh, who have softened their hearts. And at some point they've heard the message of God and it got in, it planted as a seed. And immediately, you know, you remember this. Remember maybe when you first came to church or you first kind of started, you know, being around God and you started learning the principles and you started being embraced by church culture and maybe you said yes to Jesus at a certain point. And immediately there was joy. And immediately joy. And in those initial stages, the joy oftentimes comes from what, can I get from God? I don't mean that negatively. It's just, it's, just, it's just our nature. What can I get from God? But then over time, what happens is if somebody starts talking about what can I give to God, and then it's not the same thing. And I find myself realizing that I was in a shallow ground because when it comes to giving to God, I find that hard. And what Jesus is asking us to do is he's saying, you need to go deep. Now, how do we go deep? I just want to give you some ideas. Remember last week, those of you who were here, first one is read the Bible. Yeah, really. You got to read the book. You got to have the seeds coming in on a constant basis, and you've got to be involved in some kind of reading plan. Another idea for going deep is spending time with other people who are going deep. It's other people who have like minded values, other people who are heading the same direction you are. Spend time with them. You can listen to music. 
listen to music with biblical lyrics. And so uh, as you're listening to those biblical lyrics, God's using the beat and the lyrics is able to bring that into you. You know, there's no such thing as Christian music. There's only music with Christian lyrics. And so you find music that has this whole idea of what God's saying to you, biblical principles, and you listen to that in another way. You can also fill your mind with good things. Philippians 4.8 says that you fill your, think on things that are good. And as you're doing that, then that's planting seeds. But here's another thing. I think that you grow more, you go deeper more quickly when you serve, when you lead, or when you teach. Those are opportunities for you to go deeper in a huge way as you do that. Third is cut out. I need to cut out. I need to eliminate the distractions of life. This is what Jesus says. He says, the seed that fell among the thorns represents those who hear God's word, but all too quickly, the message is crowded out by the worries of this life and the lure of wealth, so no fruit is produced. So there's a plant, but no fruit is produced. Remember last week we said, or we, last series was the whole idea is that we produce fruit, the fruit of the spirit. We have a plant, but no fruit is produced. The thorns represent a life that is preoccupied or cluttered. Preoccupied or cluttered. You've got so much on your to-do list that you can't possibly get to it all And eventually, the noise of your life, the clutter of your life, clatters so much that it drowns out the voice of God, that drowns out his voice. The problem here is the soil is just too crowded. You can't have weeds and plants and expect to have fruit at the same time. There are too too many competing demands for the limited resources that we have that a growing plant needs to thrive and survive. Now, I think it's a problem we all have. Everybody, I think this is a problem we all have. So I just want to kind of help us to, you know, see that we all might have the same problem here. How many of you would say that your main problem is that you just don't have enough to do? Raise your hand. No hands, right? We all have the problem. It's all, everybody's the same way. We have the opposite problem, right? We have too much to accomplish. We live in thorny soil. We live in thorny soil, and the only way it's going to change is to cut out. Weeds don't come out on their own. You have to take weeds out. I've never had a weed come to me and say, you know what, I've spent enough time in your yard, Ron. I'm going to go down to the neighbor's house for a while. I've got to literally pull them out. I've got to cut them out and take them out in some way. And some of you aren't receptive to God's word because your mind is constantly in chaos. It's in chaos. Now, Jesus gives several mentions here about the kinds of thorns that we can have. Two in this one. He gives another one in Mark and another one in Luke. Uh, But the first one he gives here is he says, the weeds of the worries of life, the worries of life. Some of you can't, you're having a hard time hearing God's word because you have worries And because of your worries, your mind is constantly in a state of fight or flight. And it's got all this chaos going on, and you're not able to hear from God and what he wants to say to you. You worry so much that the chatter in your mind is so loud that you miss God's voice. And he's saying, you got to cut out those worries. He also talks about the lure of wealth. Now, what does he mean? He's saying that, you know, money's bad. He's not saying that at all. He's saying here that the lure of wealth is believing that more will make me more happy. That's, just, that's, the, that's a myth, that more will make me more happy. So we give ourselves to the pursuit of more and we end up with none at the end is what it turns out to be. Folks, you can be so busy making a living that you don't have time to make a life, the life that he has for you. And Luke, he mentions another care of this world. He talks about the pleasures of life. 
Now, sometimes you can read that and you can think, well, he's meaning sin here and I don't sin, so that's not a big deal for me. I mean, you may think that, or you're not pursuing active sin or you know, blatant sin in some way, but it really means the pleasures of life means I need to cut out the things that I'm giving myself to that create moments of uh, uh, times of momentary happiness at the expense of long-term joy. The pleasures of life momentary happiness at the expense of long-term joy. I need to cut those things out and pursue the things that God says will bring me joy in the long run. See, even good things, when left unchecked, can crowd out the really good things in life. So a thorny soil or a thorny uh, soil or weed is anything I let rob my time with God, to rob my time with God. Okay, last idea is this. Last action step is this. Say yes. Say yes cooperate with God's word. Say yes. I must obey him. I must do what he tells me to do. Jesus says this about the good soil or the fertile soil. He says, the seed that fell in the good soil represents those who truly hear and understand God's word and produce a harvest of 30, 60, or even a hundred times as much as has been planted. See, the, the, the good soil here, you know, God, I know he's not talking about perfect people here. He's not at all. He's not talking about people who always do the right thing. He's saying the good soil is people who are willing to say yes to God before they even heard him speak. In advance, say, God, whatever you say. God, I just want to wake up today. God, whatever you say to me today, I want to say yes to you in advance. God, whatever you say to me tomorrow, I want to say yes to you in advance. They are yes people to God. You're not saying no to everything else. You're saying yes to God. God, I want to pursue what you want in my life. See, the key is God's looking for people who will decide in advance that they're going to follow him, that they're going to listen to him. And that kind of soil represents a willing heart, the kind of heart that would be willing to do what he says. Now look at what Jesus says. And this, I put these two verses back in that I didn't read earlier, uh, 11 through 13, because it really is speaking about the rest of the series, okay? The rest of where we're going to go once we are together in this series. You are permitted to understand the secrets of the kingdom of heaven. So you've got the stories and you've got the way to interpret them, but others are not. To those who listen to my teaching, more understanding will be given. That's what I hope you'll understand. More will be given. So as you come, as you listen, as you embrace his teaching, more understanding about what Jesus is saying will be given. And you will have an abundance of the knowledge of what Jesus wants for you in your life. And here's a word of warning. But for those who are not listening, even what little understanding they have will be taken from them. And Jesus says, this is why I use parables. So you will be able to know what I say. Would you bow your heads and let's pray together. Well, I just want to ask if there's, as we look at these four soils today, is there one thing that jumped out that God said to you? Your spirit, his spirit spoke to you to say that's the area. He wants you to be open. Your heart's been hard. Maybe your heart's been totally hard in every way. And it was just tremendous effort and sacrifice in your heart to be here today. And yet right now, you're, the seed's hitting your heart. And you want to open it up to him. And you've never done this before, and you want to say yes to Jesus. I say, Jesus, as much as I understand this today, I want to say yes to you. 
I want to open my heart to you. I want to take what you did for me through your life and your death on a cross. The forgiveness I can know from a heavenly God, heavenly Father. I want to receive that forgiveness. I want to receive cleansing. I want to receive purpose. And I want to live my life the rest of my days saying yes to you. Or maybe there's just a little area that you know that you've been holding back from God. And because of that, God's voice has been blurred. You've not been able to hear him clearly. And you just want to say, God, I'm opening this area to you today. If it's an area of sin, I want to repent today. I want to turn away. I want to walk away. I want to ask you to cleanse me. I want to walk forward with purpose and toward you in this area. I don't want a hard heart in any area of my life. Is your soil shallow, superficial? Oh, you're here at church, and yeah, you do kind of the, what you think is expected of you to kind of keep in the club. But have you been going deep with him? Have you been allowing his seed to go deeper than just the experience you have here? Or would you be willing today to say, I want to develop a deep heart, God. Show me how. How about your life? Is it thorny? You got a lot of weeds that are just competing. It's just a constant competition, constant, com constantly competing for your devotion, for your time. Would you be willing to cut some of that out to ask God, God, I need to pull this weed. This is a good thing, but it's keeping me away from the best thing. And would you just be willing today, God, I just want to say yes to you. I just want to have a posture that says yes to you. I don't want to be resistant. I want to be receptive to your word. Would you guide me and would you show me your way? And it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.